Hi, this is David Flower, senior pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Lord, tell us what we need to know and show us what we ought to do to serve Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. Amen. When I entered my first pastorate, Richard Nixon was president of the United States. I remember being shocked by the vulgar and even profane language of the Watergate tapes. The tapes also troubled Nixon's friend, Billy Graham. I spoke out against the president's language, and I don't remember anyone saying, you must be a Democrat to attack our Republican president. I should add, Billy Graham learned from that experience to avoid partisan politics and became the spiritual advisor to most subsequent presidents, Democrat and Republican. My first decade on the faculty at Messiah College, President George H.W. Bush made the decision to invade Iraq. Our biblical and religious studies department unanimously signed a letter opposing that invasion on biblical and just war principles. The entire department, both Republican and Democrats, signed the letter. About a decade later, President Bill Clinton's affair with an intern became public knowledge. I spoke to friends and family about the immorality and abuse of power in President Clinton's behavior, and nobody said you must be a Republican to be speaking out against our Democrat president. Another decade later, I was distressed by President Barack Obama's use of drones to cause death to both targets and civilians, and for his policy to return immigrants. When I shared my feelings, no one said you must be a Republican. Nevertheless, when I spoke out about the alleged affairs of President Trump with prostitutes, the lie about President Obama's birth certificate, or Trump's divisive language, the response was always along party lines. Democrats approved, Republicans defended the president. So today, many Christians are reluctant to speak out about political issues for fear of being considered partisan. In the process, the prophetic message of Jesus has been muted. We hesitate to speak God's truth to our leaders. Let me add, because this sermon is recorded before the election, we may have a new president, Joe Biden. If that is the case, 
Some, some among us will be uncomfortable with Biden's prioritizing the rights of a pregnant woman over the unborn life that she carries. And I trust that that concern will not brand them as Republicans. But both sides will search together for God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, although neither side will have a complete understanding of what that is. If Jesus were here today, I do not believe that he would identify with either the Democratic or the Republican Party. After all, he had among his disciples a man who supported the empire, Matthew, the publican, the tax collector. And Jesus' disciples also included a political revolutionary, Simon the Zealot. Jesus attracted both patriots and revolutionaries. And yet, Jesus was political in the sense that he taught that our spiritual worship has implications for how we live in the polis, or the political world. Although Paul does not use that word in this passage, many forms of that Greek word polis occur in the New Testament, translated city, state, rule, magistrate, citizen. How we act as citizens is important to Jesus. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul says when we come to worship, we offer our bodies and what we do with them in the world as our sacrifice, our living sacrifice. Our actions in the, if our actions in, in the world are holy and pleasing to God, that is our true and proper worship. Spiritual worship and political actions are not to be separated in the Gnostic manner that Pastor David warns us about. Moreover, in this sermon series, Pastor David has repeatedly told us that we must be political, but not partisan. And he's right. Followers of Jesus speak out on political issues that involve biblical principles without getting on the Republican or the Democratic bandwagon. How do we do that? Jesus proclaimed many principles with political implications. Do not kill. Love your enemies. Resist not the evil one. Turn the other cheek. Swear not at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And perhaps the hardest one of all for me to follow in today's political context is do not worry about anything. Is it reasonable? to follow these seemingly impossible sayings of Jesus? Is it practical to follow Jesus in our world? Many Christians have given up practicing Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in everyday political life. Martin Luther said, the Sermon on the Mount applies only to the spiritual realm and not the secular world, where we should instead rely on common sense. 
Missionary and theologian Albert Schweitzer argued that Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount apply only to the disciples after Jesus' death. Dispensationalists like C.I. Schofield thought Jesus' teaching applied only to the future kingdom of heaven. Others thought Jesus' Sermon on the Mount included general principles taught through specific illustrations, but only the principles, not the illustrations, were binding. Still others thought Jesus' tough teachings were counsels for perfection, not for salvation. And yet others believe Jesus' teachings apply to our intentions rather than what we do. And others believe Jesus' words are impossible precepts to show us our inadequacies or overstatements to remind us how demanding Jesus is. Rather than explaining away the difficult teachings of Jesus that clearly have political implications, we should follow the most accepted interpreter of Jesus, the Apostle Paul. In our scripture lesson for today, Paul is answering the question, how can you follow Jesus in the world where we live? The answer is, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Our Anabaptist forefathers did not try to conform Jesus' teachings to the world they lived in. Instead, they followed Jesus' advice, do not conform to the pattern of this world. We belong to a new age, inaugurated by Jesus. We are renewed by God, freed from the control of Satan. This world is the realm of Satan's power, but we conform to the pattern of the kingdom of God rather than the empires of this world. In verse 2 of chapter 12, which is the thesis for this entire section of the letter of Romans, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How can we be political but not partisan? We follow the teachings of Jesus, the politics of Jesus, rather than conforming to the politics of this world. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have a new way of thinking, a new worldview that enables us to test and approve what God's will is. This way is totally subversive to the way things usually work in the political world. In the words of Pastor David, we give up power over others to support the weak, and the oppressed with a power under that strengthens and undergirds them. We give up our personal rights and freedom and privileges and power for the common good. This is so radical that former dean at Messiah College, Don Crable, calls it an upside-down kingdom. Paul urges Christians and church leaders to renew their minds to a radical new way of thinking, and to agree on the strategies taught by Jesus that do not exercise power over others, but give up power in order to be of one mind, supporting people who cannot support themselves, 
Persons of all races, classes, genders, income levels. This unity is only achieved when we act like Jesus. This new worldview and value system is based on love for the other, honoring rather than shaming people that are different. Paul is calling for a revolution in the church that spills over into the political world. Operating in Jesus' kingdom requires the power of discernment to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And that discernment causes us to reject the world's value system. The word translated world in our passage here is not the Greek word cosmos, which refers to the universe. It's the word ion in Greek, or eon as we use it, or age. Jesus introduced a new age. We do not conform to the conventional patterns of this old age. Instead, we allow Jesus to transform us. The Greek word Paul uses is our word, he uses it as a verb, but it is our word metamorphosis, indicating a complete change, a complete transformation. In our flower garden this summer, <clears throat> I found milkweed covered with scores of disgusting, squirmy, worm-like larvae. I was gonna destroy them, but my biologist daughter told me they would soon become beautiful monarch butterflies. We have several large butterfly bushes only a few yards away from that milkweed. Later in the summer, I like to think that some of the butterflies on those bushes were once larvae on that milkweed. Like those larvae, we, if we allow Jesus to renew our minds, repenting of our old ways of thinking, conforming our minds to Jesus' new age, something beautiful, like a monarch butterfly, emerges. This new way of thinking affects our relationships with people. The old thinking created conflict, destroyed relationships. Jesus' new way of thinking controls self-ambition and power for the common good and for the welfare of the community. We seek the mind of Jesus and test each political issue to separate the important from the trivial, the genuine from the bogus, to find the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Paul lists specific ways that we can conform to the will of God. First and for most important is to love God and others. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says, love must be secure, sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Central to the teaching of Jesus is love God and others. But love here is not an abstract feeling or an abstract concept, but an active agape love that emb is embodied in the self-sacrifice of Jesus. Paul says, love must be sincere, literally without hypocrisy, 
without being two-faced, without acting one way around Republicans and another way around Democrats. Love sincerely abhors what is evil and persistently clings to the good. Love hates the evils of injustice and bigotry, but clings to the good, like taking care of the weak and the oppressed. Julia Johnson models that for us in her care for the poor, the addict, and the homeless. The pattern of the old age shames the poor, jails the addict, and bars the immigrant. Following Jesus supports policies that bring health to the afflicted. This is something that followers of Jesus can get excited about. Paul says it this way in verses 11 to 13. Never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Paul says we should be zealous with a spiritual fervor serving the Lord. But Paul also says that our spiritual fervor has implications for our conduct in the world. We give joyful hope to those in despair. We are patient with the afflicted. We share with the needy. We invite strangers into our home. We faithfully pray for those who have physical and emotional afflictions. This is quite the opposite of the pattern of this world that says in the tough times, take care of yourself. Let's summarize some of the other things that Paul says it means to be not conformed to this world. In verses 14 to 16, Pastor David preached insightfully and helpfully on these verses several weeks ago. So I'll just read them. Note, I'll add a few words of my own. Bless those who persecute you because you hold the principles of the kingdom of God rather than the empires of this world. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn over their physical and emotional hardship. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, the poor, the immigrant, the addict, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to, what is, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus' teachings do not conform to the pattern of this world. And yet, they have serious political implications. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be conceited. Do not take revenge. Feed the hungry. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These principles apply to the administration in the polis, in cities like Minneapolis, Annapolis, Indianapolis, Followers of Jesus practice the political principles that he lays down. And yet, although Jesus' teachings have political implications, they are not partisan. As Pastor David says, we do not follow the Democratic donkey or the Republican elephant, but we follow Jesus, the lamb. We advocate 
and, pro and pro proclaim Jesus' message, which is neither Democratic nor Republican. My wife and her brother are polar opposites in their political leanings. And although I must say they are able most of the time to avoid arguments, one time after Amy had expressed a political opinion, her brother said, well, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's right. Most of us drink the Kool-Aid of one party or the other. Some of us drink the red Republican Kool-Aid, and others of us drink the blue Democratic Kool-Aid. Do you remember the origin of that Kool-Aid imagery? It comes from Guyana, where on November the 18th, 18, uh, 1978, 900 members of People's Temple died when their leader, Jim Jones, convinced them to commit revolutionary suicide by drinking a powdered drink laced with cyanide. Kool-Aid can be dangerous. Rather than being deceived into drinking the destructive Kool-Aid of the donkey Democrats or elephant Republicans, we followers of Jesus are instead nurtured by the living water from the Lamb, Jesus Christ. But some of you have already looked ahead to the next chapter. Politicians love to quote the beginning of Romans 13 out of the context of Romans 12. Romans 13 has been used to support both Republican and Democratic policies. The message from both sides of the political aisle is, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, when the governing authorities is us. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities was used by our Attorney General to instill support for separating children from their parents at the border. By contrast, Dwight Eisenhower, the supreme commander of Allied troops in Europe during World War II, President of the United States from 1953 to 1961, and a product of the Brethren in Christ Sunday School in Abilene, Kansas. Eisenhower understood the importance of Romans 12. When he was president of Columbia University, he was asked to witness for Christ at the prestigious Riverside Church in New York City. Eisenhower did not turn to Romans 13, but to Romans 12. Eisenhower read the following words. Every man that above you, among you, is not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor what is evil, cleave to what is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peacefully with all men. Interesting words from a former Army General and President of the United States. Eisenhower understood that only if these words of Jesus are given their proper place, only then should we be subject to government authorities. 
Romans 13 must be read together with chapter 12, which contains the thesis for the two chapters. In verse two, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. As followers of Jesus, we follow his teachings. We do follow Romans 13 with subjection to our government when it tells us to obey just laws, pay taxes without complaint. Did you hear that? Taxes without complaint and honor our government. When Jesus was asked by the authorities, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? He noted Caesar's head on a coin and responded, give Caesar what's Caesar's. Sometimes we stop there. But Jesus' point is in the next words. Jesus says, give Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And that's Jesus' point. As citizens, both Republicans and Democrats, we give to our root leaders the respect and obedience they deserve. But at the same time, our primary allegiance is to God. So we follow the politics of Jesus and reject being conformed to the pattern of this world. Pastor David has set a third way before us. That means we avoid the polarities. We are, not, we are primarily neither Democrats nor Republicans. We follow Jesus. We are primarily neither conservatives nor progressives. We follow Jesus. We are not only pro-life in the narrow way, limited to life before birth, abortion. We are also pro-life when it relates to gun use. We are also pro-life when it relates to capital punishment. We are also pro-life when it relates to the environment. We are also pro-life when it relates to programs for the poor. We are also pro-life when it relates to educational policy. That does not mean that we agree on all these issues, but it does mean our pro-life stance is not limited to abortion as important as that is. But we are also not pro-choice when it means that our concern relates only to the rights of the mother and does not consider the life of the unborn. Again, that does not mean all followers of Jesus will agree on all issues like abortion and gun use, but it does mean that we will not define life or choice as narrowly as partisan politicians do. On all of these issues, we do not conform to the Democratic or the Republican policy. To the best of our limited abilities, we follow the politics of Jesus. Does that mean we should end our alignment with or involvement in a particular political party? My brother Hank Johnson, the pastor of the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church, gave me an idea of how to think about this. He appealed to the Brethren in Christ historian and theologian, Luke Kiefer, who in his classic article said, the Brethren in Christ have never conformed completely to any movement. First, we were Anabaptists with a difference and Pietists with a difference. Later, we were Wesleyans with a difference. More recently, we became Evangelicals with a difference. Pastor Hank, 
applies Kiefer's thinking to politics. If you're a Republican, be a Republican with a difference, a Republican whose primary allegiance is to follow Jesus. If you're a Democrat, be a Democrat with a difference, a Democrat whose primary allegiance is to follow Jesus. Our primary identity is with Jesus rather than being conformed to the partisan politics of the present age. Paul said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Amen.